This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted now a third time. This one tied to the special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into the bid to overturn the 2020 election and January 6th. So will these new charges hold up in a court of law? And does this just show the complete pylon, the double-tier system of justice that seems to now exist in America? Well, joining us now to discuss this and more is former federal prosecutor Doug Burns. Doug, great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks. Appreciate it. What are your thoughts about these new charges now added yet again to President Trump? Well, first of all, you've heard me say, you know, there was no point in bringing two separate prosecutions. I mean, the guy's a special counsel. He's investigating Donald J. Trump. So he should have picked a case and brought a case. Rarely, if ever, have I seen, honestly, in 30 years, somebody in a nonviolent, non-narcotics, non-organized crime case who's under indictment uh, be indicted again. And one of my close friends on the air said last night, he said, John Gotti only warranted one indictment. So the point is, it really is legal piling on. I will say, obviously, you have the political discussions that's on one side, you know, and then you have the legal X's and O's discussions, of course. Um, on the political side, real quick, and that's not my area, it's entirely appropriate to say this is really unprecedented, a lot of piling on, really over the ski tips. And as you just said in the opening, you know, without getting into, oh, well, what about the other side? The reality is, to me, the American public is starting to really get a little disgusted with what appears to be a two-tiered standard, as you just said. Are we getting desensitized to also indictments against at least one single individual? It seems like another day, another indictment. Well, yeah. I mean, it has overtones of Groundhog Day. That's one point. And the point made by the great American philosopher, Lawrence Peter Berra, Yogi Berra, deja vu all over again. So the point is, I mean, it's completely over the skis to indict the former president three different times. It's not necessary. If you felt uh, that some of this stuff was criminal conduct, which is a little bit debatable, and we can, you know, get into those discussions, which I'd, uh, you know, love to do. But the point is, just bring one case and call it a day. This is just completely over the ski tips, honestly. So you believe uh, this is just a lot of pylon on one individual? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. The point is, again, though, I mean, I temper down you know, some of the political rhetoric. I mean, let's look at this, the forest for the trees from 30,000 feet. Both sides are all amped up. The divisiveness just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, unfortunately. And again, just for the listeners, I'm not talking about the legal X's and O's. I'm talking about, you know, the political 
uh, and societal notions. It just gets more and more and more divisive. So one side, you know, they turn around and they pontificate about how serious this all is. Um, and then the other side says, no, this is ridiculous. And you're criminalizing politics of all the one-liners I've heard. Um, and I myself have participated, I suppose, in creating the one-liner, criminalizing differences of opinion, criminalizing politics. And that's where what I bring to the table is key, because the point is I've been in federal criminal law for 30 years on both sides of the courtroom, and I can tell what's a real crime and what's kind of a stretch. And when you start seeing stuff like conspiracy and attempt and color of law, those are very, very vague, very, very wide open uh, statutes, and they're really pushing the envelope is the point. Some of the charges, um, as you know, in this particular case, there are four of them, four counts, criminal counts, federal counts. One of them is, as you brought up the word conspiracy, conspiracy against rights. That's like a civil rights, uh, you know, law, uh, crime, and it dates back to KKK law. I mean, this, this is how far it's like they're stretching back, Doug Burns. Well, this is what you're going to see. So, I mean, without getting all back into the Alvin Bragg case, the point is they were stretching theories, theories that weren't viable, bumping up a misdemeanor to a felony based on a federal crime, which is a no-no in state court, just pushing, pushing, pushing. Now, I'm going to say something that I think everyone will find really fascinating in all seriousness, and that is that, and other pundits have explained this, but they haven't had the time. That's why the longer discussion is so great. A conspiracy is an agreement to do a crime, and you don't have to do the crime, okay? (laughs) That's the key. A lot of people think conspiracy is more serious. Somehow, boy, it sounds so ominous, but if you and I agree to rob a bank hypothetically right now on this podcast and one of us takes some overt act towards that, we're guilty, even if that's it. We never do anything. We never rob anything. So what's the point? The Professor Dershowitzes of the world and me are going to explain that starts getting perilously close to punishing thoughts and words, okay? So the point is, you know, all you have in this case is conspiracy, 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 and attempt, by the way, which is another beauty where you don't actually commit the offense. So again, you know, they're bending over to the breaking point uh, to go after this man. And then obviously it behooves me to point out that you have Jim Comey standing there with a straight face saying no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case about Hillary Clinton. And that's fine, by the way, if you want to take that position, but you have to now take the position that no reasonable prosecutor would bring in this case. That's all. That's all people demand, Rita. Yeah, it's just fairness and the truth wherever it goes. Um, you know, Doug Burns, as we're talking about this, too, one of the things President Trump obviously questioned the 2020 election. A lot of people have highlighted the fact that Hillary Clinton has called him an illegitimate president, has also said that the election was unfair, was uh, was rigged. Uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia never accepted that she lost the first gubernatorial race. Uh, Benny Thompson, who was on the January 6th committee, uh, questioned the electors. Jamie Raskin questioned the election. I mean, these are all Democrats. Uh, they didn't get charged with questioning the election. Well, I'll give you an even better point. Flip it on the other side. You have a Republican, I guess it is, Carrie Lake questioning election, which is absolutely her right to do that, by the way. Is anybody indicting her? That's a great point. That is a superb point because that was in modern times, right? It's easy to make points that show 
you know, just how patently ridiculous this is. One other point that came up today that I thought was interesting is this question about these unindicted co-conspirators. So if you'd like, I'll take a crack at that. Yeah, go ahead. Walk us through because uh, it looks like six of them, five of them have kind of uh, been named. The other one has not. But walk us through the value of that and why they're doing that. Let's use the exact Carrie Lake point because it's so powerful. These are the type of points, you know, law professors make in a classroom. You know, again, just to repeat, you know, why wouldn't you charge uh, Carrie Lake? For she's undermining the integrity of our government in a conspiracy and an attempt. Of course, they're not going to do that because this whole case is about something else. It's about an agenda. Now, on the unindicted co-conspirators, let's make this same Carrie Lake point. Why aren't you indicting them? They're engaged in this incredibly, unbelievably serious, terrible criminal conduct. And of course, I'm being sarcastic. It's because they want to go after Trump. But here's the million dollar explanation, which I take partial credit for. But also some of the major pundits uh, explained this basically all throughout the day today. This is interesting. Advice of counsel is a defense in a criminal case. Usually more white collar for obvious reasons, because a lawyer is not going to say, oh, It's perfectly within the law to go bludgeon that man with an axe and kill him. I'm being sarcastic. But in white-collar cases, it's like, can I file these complicated documents? What about these bank records? And if you can show creditably in a courtroom that a lawyer advised you that it was within the bounds of the law, that's a defense. It's called advice of counsel. Trump was going to use that defense. So what did they do? It's unbelievable. They turn around and they call them criminals, co-conspirators, so that you invoke something you've heard many times over the years, you know, the crime fraud exception. So now you can't say that John Eastman or Rudolph Giuliani told me, uh, gave me legal advice that I relied on because they just glibly called them criminals and co-conspirators. It's really quite remarkable. There's also another point a little bit in the weeds, and that is that there's a very onerous uh, hearsay exception that really comes back to kill people uh, in the real world. And that is, if you show a conspiracy, statements of conspirators come to evidence. It's not hearsay. So that's another reason why they did that, so they can try to put in statements. So they're engaging in just pushing the envelope all over the place, you know, because, again, to call this really full-on criminal conduct is, you know, again, you've heard Professor Turley, Professor Dershowitz, it's really pushing the envelope, and I couldn't agree more, and, I, and, and the point is, you're chilling free speech, you're chilling the First Amendment, okay, you're criminalizing conduct that really isn't a crime because of political differences, and again, it's worth repeating, you know, they could go after umpteen people, as you said, for challenging and contesting elections. Um, And, of course, they won't. So what's fascinating to me, Rita, seriously, is, you know, they're kind of boxing themselves in because let's assume for the sake of argument that Donald Trump uh, either, A, doesn't get the nomination, which appears completely unlikely. Um, You know, I, I concede that readily. But just assume it in a law school classroom. These cases mean absolutely nothing to these people at that point. You understand? Nothing. But again, they can't walk away because then it would just show they're just completely naked political agenda. So I guess they would kind of grudgingly have to go forward. But I am, after 38 years of doing this, I am absolutely fascinated, seriously, by what is actually going to play out with all of this. Seriously. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, and that, there are so many questions I have for you. Before I move on to sort of the sure. big picture, you brought up some interesting points. Of course, he's going to say, and it's already sort of suggesting it, that he got you know, the advice from counsel, as you talked about. And if the counsel, even if they were wrong or he was wrong, if he believed it in good faith, and Doug, I've talked to President Trump many times, he believes the election was stolen. Uh, His attorneys have come out and said he believes it. Anybody who's talked to him uh, believes it. I mean, I think he'd pass a lie detector test. He truly believes uh, that the election. So isn't that his best defense, that not only did he believe it, but that he also made these steps. He talked to attorneys, talked about legal avenues, and was trying to find ways to be able to expose that, if you will. Yeah, no, no, no. The uh, Thank you for reminding me and, and my bed uh, for not bringing it up. The point is, uh, a number of the discussions since this indictment was handed up um, have to do with the fact that you're going to have to prove, uh, to the satisfaction of a jury, uh, that he knew uh, that he had actually lost the election. I don't think you can prove that, okay? And I heard a lot of the experts making that point today, and I agree with it myself, because the point is, um, you get hoisted by your own petard. In other words, you turn around as a prosecutor, and you go all in, all chips in, right, poker analogy, on the fact that he was walking around saying that he won. That's terrible and horrible. And now for the first time in world history, that's a crime, okay? But watch how it kills them because it boomerangs back in their face, Rita, with the man thought he won, excuse me. So there's no way you're proving beyond a reasonable doubt um, that he didn't think he won, and therefore the entire theory of your case goes out the window. But to double back with that uh, unindicted co-conspirator stuff, though, um, that could blow up in their face a little bit if a jury kind of sees this nuance, which is, well, wait a minute. You know, there was objective evidence that the former mayor Giuliani and the respected law professor Eastman, they advised him in certain ways and he followed it. You can't just glibly come in here and say, oh, they're criminals. Sorry, they're criminals. So therefore you can't rely on the advice. I mean, this could blow up on them quite a bit, actually. You know, one of the things, too, is Bernie Carrick, the former NYPD commissioner, uh, was basically doing investigations, supposedly for Rudy Giuliani, who, who was, of course, President Trump's attorney, one of them. So he's apparently met with the special counsel, may even be trying to meet with them again to say, hey, wait a minute, look, here's some of the stuff that we were coming up with that we were trying to present to Congress to say, hey, wait a minute, you guys should be looking into this further. There were some credible things or things that they thought were interesting, not ruled out, that kind of give the basis for Trump and his legal team to say, hey, maybe this election uh, wasn't appropriate. Doesn't that help? And and doesn't that come into play? And he's not a co-conspirator as far as we know. Well, it's funny you said it because President Trump, he always has a propensity, you know, to try to throw things back at you like, you know, this is really going to backfire on you. So to my backfiring point, he was... Uh, insinuating through Truth Social today, I believe, Rita, that, you know, now 
because of this indictment you've brought, we're really going to take an objective look in discovery and in the legal process at exactly what took place with the election. Right. And that, that, that's your point, and it's a great point you just made, and that's exactly what he's thinking on many levels. But what's interesting, too, in terms of the sort of phoniness about it, is that a lot of these points that you're making, which are such great points, you talk about cynicism, they could turn around later if they don't need these cases any longer, under my hypothetical, right, Trump were just out of the picture politically, then they turn around, you know what, now that we look at it, it, he really did have advice of counsel. Oh, he really did have this. Oh, on the documents. No, no, he actually thought it was, you know, they have they have all kinds of exit lanes. It's so interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. And, and just as you said, as, as I was bringing up, they can say, uh, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't look so good. Oh, wait, he did on because the election really came down to a few tens of thousands of votes, which Absolutely. isn't that much in America. So who knows what who knows what gets uncovered, right? No, that's exactly right. And the point is, you know, I was thinking about, you know, talking to you tonight. And it's interesting because if you look at uh, COVID, not to bring that into play, but you'll see why I'm doing that. And then you look at the election. It was the same thing. It was just a hysterical shouting down um, to the point of you are not allowed was the message, essentially not allowed to ask a question such as, gee, I'd like to discuss where this virus originated, or gee, I'd like to discuss the efficacy of this particular vaccine, or now take it to the election. Gee, I heard Rita Cosby say, and she's right, that this thing came down to handfuls of votes, maybe 10,000 here and there, in a few critical, critical, I would like to discuss. That was hysterically shouted down beyond belief, to the point where you weren't even allowed to 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 raise it is the point. So the troubling thing about the toxic environment we're in is that type of situation where, you know, the so-called, call it whatever you want, the mainstream media, the ruling class elites, use any label you want, but they're shouting you down to the point where you're not even allowed to say it. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It seems so un-American. And, you know, right, you think about, too, if it goes to also... No, 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 very un-American. Yes. I mean, the point is, express your opinion. I think that there were some problems with the election. Fifty years ago, that would have been met with, okay, let's discuss that. In my view, I disagree with you. Here's why. But I'm certainly willing to hear you out. I'm just using a hypothetical. Make your points. Tell me that you think that I'll use a concrete legal example. Tell me why you think that rules were changed in state governor houses as opposed to the legislature, which is specifically required in the United States. Again, you couldn't even discuss that. The U.S. Constitution says manner and place of elections shall be determined by state legislature. Right. In the Pennsylvania case. And when the legislatures were Republican, for example, so they went and did it by executive fiat, executive order, things like that. That's not kosher. Okay. But again, any mention of anything hysterically shouted down beyond belief, um, and, and it's very, very, very troubling. So to this election thing, I mean, I'll never forget as long as I live just that, you know, how can you even say that there was anything wrong with this election? I couldn't believe the intensity I was seeing.
Yeah, it was intense. And what about all the new developments um, that have happened? I mean, the Hunter Biden laptop suppression. Um, you could make the case that that played a role. Um, is there some way he can bring in even some information that has now been validated, if you will, because now we know the laptop is real and it was supp- the story was suppressed. Uh, everybody was saying it was Russian disinformation, including President Biden and the famous debate with President Trump when they were debating. Uh, is there any way to bring in some of those Anybody, things? <laughs> anyone in government is so interesting. Anyone in government, because it's very interesting, real quick uh, pontification. You know, we've had intense political disagreements going back hundreds of years, okay? And the point is, the politicians could be at each other's throats. Okay, that's step one. Step two, the media, pamphleteers back in, you know, the late 1700s even. But getting law enforcement into it, that was this new frontier that was just absolutely beyond the bell. You've got institutions like the Federal Bureau of Investigation up to their eyeballs in politics. So let me say this. Anybody in the United States government who participated in blocking and censoring the Hunter Biden story is guilty of the identical thing that they are alleging against Trump right now. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And that's why you would think they'd be able to bring that up in court, right? That's absolutely exactly right. Oh, well, that's a great point right there. So let me just address that quickly, right? To what extent would you be able to bring in evidence of other politicians who stood up in Congress? I object to this certification of these electors and all of that. But again, reading your mind, having worked with you for many years, the next point is the venue in Washington, D.C., Yes. That is a serious problem. Yes. So, and and by the way, real quick, can they bring in some of these other politicians? Can they bring in discoveries that have come out since the election? I would allow it if I were the judge, within reason, of course. Hey, you're on trial. You know, the government, the government is telling everybody that you've committed a crime because you objected uh, to this election. Now, in fairness, Mr. Defendant, they're saying you went pretty far. They're saying you did this, that, and that thing. So we keep the discussion fair here. But at the same time, I'm going to allow the defense to put in some proof of other instances where elections were challenged intensely and, and people stood up in Congress to block certifications and everything else. I'm going to allow that. No question about it. But again, here, you know, everybody's a little too quick, in fairness, you know, and I have a pet peeve on this, you know, condemning a judge the first minute, you know, oh, she's terrible and horrible. Um, the fact is, there are some troubling ties, by the way, there are. Yeah. Her and participation in the Boys Schiller Law Firm. I was going to say, so yes, yeah, so let's no, get into that. Yeah, no, if, no, no, no. Is there a ground here to remove the judge or at least ask for a different judge, change a venue, a it's whole bunch of stuff? Hard. Uh, it's hard, you know, to recuse a judge. Because, you know, you're also playing with fire because then when you lose, you're kind of stuck with that judge. So I never saw that too much in non-political cases. But there are some grounds, um, you know, like I said, the ties to the boy Schiller firm and so forth. Um, but the fact of the matter is change of venue should be seriously entertained here. Um, this is clearly, clearly um, just a gleeful situation. I mean, they didn't go forum shopping because, you know, the conduct happened there. You know, so we'll give them that. But the fact of the matter is, 
I believe firmly the only reason you saw a second prosecution is because the first one was in uh, a pro-Trump area, and now they saw that they could bring a case in a wildly, important to repeat, wildly anti-Trump area. This was an area where somebody was on trial, you know, you remember the lawyer, and he lied. You know, it's not the crime of the century, but he lied. And they turned around and said, you never should have brought this case. And they just nullified the verdict. You know, the I guess it was uh, the guy who lied that he was working on behalf of, uh, you know, the Clintons and all of that. And so that's a terrible, terrible venue. Um, and, 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 and it should be moved um, out of Washington, D.C. But again, we'll have to just wait and see on that one. By the way, uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., in the area, I think it's 5% voted for exactly. Trump. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what the that percentage is. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... No, no, no. So, you know, and then Florida is the reverse. You know, tremendous support. Uh, for him there. Uh, but again, you know, editorially, I have to say that, you know, in these political cases, you know, we're discussing things like that. And as I like to say, if somebody robs a bank and gets, you know, $200,000 and it's on the bank's video cameras and the proof is really strong and the getaway driver flips and is a witness, it doesn't matter what court you bring it in, okay, because that's real crime. But when you get into this political stuff, which is color of rights, conspiracy, attempt, then all of a sudden it matters. Oh, we're in a pro-Trump area. Oh, we're in an anti-Trump area. And again, that shouldn't, that's not really sort of nuts and bolts day-to-day cases. That's political cases. Yeah, and politics should not have anything to do with something like this. I agree. Uh, Everyone, by the way, be sure to subscribe and share to this great podcast. Doug Burns, terrific to have you here. And thank you for all you do to educate us about the law uh, and about this particular case, which truly is historic. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.